Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 279. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lend at Fintech. Today's episode is sponsored by Lended Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. Lender's flagship event is happening online this year on April 27 to 29, with the possibility of an exclusive VIP in-person component. The verdict is in on Lender's 2020 event that was held online, with many people saying it was the best virtual event they had ever attended. Lender is setting the bar even higher in 2021. So join the fintech community at Lender Fintech USA, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Sign up today at lender.com/usa. On our last podcast of 2020, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to be talking about emerging markets. I am delighted to welcome the CEO and founder of Haitu Global, Jerry Wang, onto the show. Now, Haitu Global is really interesting because I think they have a, a unique perspective. They're actually based in New York, now from China, based in New York, investing in emerging markets, private credit, providing basically you know, credit lines uh, to fintech lenders in emerging markets. And we, we get into that in some depth and we, we, we talk about how they're able to do this, what they look for in an investment, the types of, the types of companies that they're, they're working with. And it's super interesting. And Jerry also provides his, his uh, perspective on the region as a whole, particularly Southeast Asia, Africa. He's got his finger on the pulse as to what's happening, not just in fintech there, but uh, broader trends in the in the larger economies. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Jerry. Hi, how are you, Peter? Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, of course, I'm great. Uh, so I like to get this thing started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. I know you're not you're not from this country, just like me. But why don't you why don't you just give the listeners some of the the background of your career and and how you got to where you are now. Uh, yeah, sure. So I grew up in China. I went to college in Beijing. Uh, I came to the States 20 years ago. And I studied at Notre Dame, worked at Notre Dame investment office. And, and so I spent half my life in, in China, half my life here in the United States. And uh, we live in New York. The company is out in New York. So we've been in operation for seven years now. But I still travel extensively, you know, back to China, Asia, and, uh, and other continents too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, then and what, why did you decide to start uh, Haichu Global? What was the thinking there? Well, we started seven years ago, uh, 2014, here in New York City. The rationale was, you know, I spent a couple of years in the, with investment offices and allocating capital in emerging market. And I just kind of like, you know, cut the, the emerging market and entrepreneurial bug, you know. I, I wanted to do something different. And uh, I want to serve the other market. You know, emerging markets have always been underserved. There's uh, investors coming out of uh, China and Asia, and they want to allocate capital globally, but they had no experience, no channel, no platform to help them to do so. And uh, and that's how I, uh, you know, set up the platform on helping Asian investors invest in um, originally in the U.S., and then gradually we branched out to uh, other uh, markets, mostly emerging markets, and over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe you know, why don't you just describe you know what what you guys do exactly, how you've how you've kind of structured your company, and where you invest. 
so since day one, and we are positioned as a global asset allocation platform. And uh, so there are a couple fundamental principles. For example, we're our technology enabled, we're a research driven platform. So we have our apps and uh, we invest in different uh, emerging markets. It's global and uh, it's based on technology platforms. Those are, you know, the main principles. Other than that, we are not much different from the much larger investment houses. You know, or we allocate uh, capitals into different asset classes, stocks, bonds, and, uh, and you know, venture capitals, real estate. And, uh, and we invest in different markets like U- United States, Southeast Asia, Africa. So um, even though we're a small firm, but uh, we're as diversified as any other houses. Right, but obviously we're we're going to be focusing here on the fintech space, and uh, and in particular, I know you do a lot of you know private credit type investments. Why include that in you know? It's obviously not in not every investor has uh, has you know a private credit debt you know debt that's in their portfolio. What was your thinking there in making that a big part of what you do? Well, it's just a natural evolution. You know, when we started company uh, seven years ago. We, uh, we were positioned more like a cross-border lending club type of platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted to use, you know, the mobile payment and the, the, the cross-border transaction platforms, help the, the local Chinese and the Asian investors invest in the U.S. And that's the original uh, investment thesis. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's credit is just natural fit. You know, it's a fixed income and uh, it's a stable and uh, it's liquid. So uh, that's how we, uh, we like the, the asset classes. It's it just like public credit, you know, is volatile. You know, you had to market the market and the yield really low, uh, particular uh, under current, you know, environment. And that's why we picked uh, the private credit sector. And, and we know the sector well. And uh, the investor has strong demand for, you know, and correlated uh, and, and high yield. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's why we picked uh, the sector, and it's difficult because you know, uh, in terms of private, you had to negotiate your own deals, you had to structure it, and you had to you know manage your service. It there is a high bar, and uh, it's it's not like you can just open Charles Schwab account and start trading it. And uh, so, you, like I mentioned, uh, this is a kind of uh, investment we really like. Yeah? So you have a high hurdle, and you have a high demand. And uh, then you can, now we have the, the team, uh, the investment process, the technology to manage it, to mitigate the risk. So uh, it's a strong portfolio for, you know, our, um, the whole uh, asset classes uh, diversification. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then what about emerging markets? You, you, you're focusing a lot on the, you know, the, those countries that are less developed. What's the thinking there? Why, why invest in, uh, in emerging markets? Um, so we have two teams, one in New York and the mostly investment team, another in Beijing, the research team, operation team, and technology team. And so we get to know both markets really well. And uh, we, uh, you know, we started our uh, office and the team uh, five years ago in Beijing. So we can cover, you know, Southeast Asia and South Asia uh, easily, you know, not, well, it's still distant, but it's much easier than from New York. And uh, that's how we, we can cover that region and cover that, that investment class. And also because the opportunity uh, we've seen in the past years. So we know China really well and, and has been growing uh, fast, uh, particularly in fintech sector. So, so we all know 
he surpassed the U.S. and became, you know, the biggest fintech market in the past couple of years. And mm-hmm. that we've seen the, the effect, you know, the China teams and the business models and the technologies were adopted by the, the Southeast Asia and the South Asia markets quickly. And, right. and that's, that's why we naturally branched out to, you know, Indonesia, India. Those are as, you know, big market as big as uh, China. And they're more open and, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they have a low, you know, starting point and that you can grow much faster, even faster than, than, than China, because China mm-hmm. has, a, you know, has certain size already and uh, it's tightly regulated. Um, that's why we got, uh, you know, interest in, in uh, Southeast Asia market. And from there, we, you know, branch out to Africa, from to Latham. It's just a natural evolution. And uh, we done our investment uh, research and uh, we discovered, you know, local teams and the partners and, and we uh, intentionally want to diversify our investments. Right. So, so what do you look for then when you're in an investment in these emerging markets and you're doing, uh, firstly, I presume you're doing mainly debt investment, correct? And you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what, what, what are you looking for? What makes a good investment in these places? First of all, we're looking for growth, right? So, and with growth comes with uh, returns and yield. Now we're looking for, you know, uh, regulations and, uh, and the teams, talents. So a lot of things, they have to come together to form uh, a solid investment thesis. And, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, we're looking for returns. So what we can get out of those market, can we mitigate the risks? So we, uh, for example, South Asia, we have different, investment for example we buy uh, technology stocks so like for example as as eac they are uh, e-commerce website uh, e-commerce application and also payments they have gaming too those are two stocks but our uh, biggest investment has been through credits we also have venture arm and we invest in india companies indonesia companies singapore companies and uh, mostly fintech and uh, but our biggest investment has been through uh, private credit. So we lend to the local platforms. Uh, for example, the, the e-commerce, and they sell uh, cell phones and uh, in Indonesian market, uh, we provide installment payments uh, to the local consumers. And, uh, and also we have uh, agriculture loans and uh, the local farmers, they borrow from the, the traders and, uh, and, you know, buy the seeds and, and, uh, and produce uh, the goods and sell them and pay us back. So mm-hmm. we work, the, uh, we are more like a platform of the platforms and uh, we don't do direct lending and uh, we lend to the local platforms and then they, they work with, the, you know, the local producers, consumers, right. borrowers, and structure the loans. Um, so we're more like a, a, a fund manager. Right. The listeners will be well aware of that model. So what, what kind of yields are you looking for? Are these, because you know, imagine some of these things are pretty high risk. Um, mm-hmm. what, 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 what sort of yields makes it interesting for you? So we're looking for, you know, uh, risk adjusted yield, right? And uh, yeah. it has to be pay, like paying a risk premium. And for example, the stocks we're looking for like, like over 15%. Uh, in terms of credit, we're looking around 15%. So we can take 12%, we can take 18%. And the roads are more a structured product. So we are working with local platforms. They provide, you know, uh, corporate guarantees of our principal interest. And uh, so we want 
securitization of the underlying assets. Some are, uh, you know, the cell phone uh, loan portfolio and, uh, you know, collateralized uh, by the, the phones itself. If you can pay, then they can pay right. your phone back and uh, something like that. We also have, you know, supply chain finance and, uh, secured uh, by the underlying goods. And so that's that's why we are looking uh, we we have been uh, our performance has been stable um in the in the past five six years and uh, and has been you know uh, not been impacted much during pandemic uh because we have uh, structures in place with the collateral guarantees and it's also shorter term so our average duration has been historically four or five months and that during wow. pandemic it was lower to like two months and so we can get all money back in a quarter uh, even though we didn't do so, and uh, we we did uh, have some you know redemptions and during the pandemic, and uh, we handled the liquidity as well, just because you know the uh, underlying liquidity uh, is there, and uh, so it's not right. like we're we're locking up the capital for five years like many the private credit funds, and that uh, we offer a monthly liquidity. Right, right, yeah, that's that, that's really interesting. So then, so then when you look when you look across these companies, when I mean, you said you've got uh, a team in Beijing that really is particularly works on the on the Southeast Asia market, I mean, I mean, what what kind of verification, what kind of analysis do you do before you you pull the trigger on one of these deals? Uh, you know, we do, uh, first of all, we do kind of like a top-down approach. You know, we look at the macro data and uh, we're looking for a big population, you know, over 100 million people, GDP growth over 5%, you know, uh, a stable um, political structure and, uh, and, and reasonable tight regulations. So we look at all the, all the macros. So when it feels right, we just start travel there and they're looking for local partners. And, uh, you know, we find the local platform to partner with. So those are more like a top-down approach. Bottom up, it's like we find the right team, they have the, you know, the, the local expertise, they know the market, the state language, and uh, they can deal with uh, the local consumers and directly. And, uh, and also we have the similar, you know, long-term approach and that we're targeting like 10, 15, 20 years. And it's not like we just like think short-term five months or, or 10 months that we get money back and then we're gone. And uh, so we spend a lot of time getting to know the market, getting to know the team. We also develop, you know, the API systems and link their lending platform to our, you know, uh, operations and uh, our um, risk management platform. So we can uh, get the data, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, we can consolidate all the risk and you know, factors and, uh, and we can act fast. For example, during the, the, the depths of pandemic and uh, we shut uh, the lending down in end of the March for like a month. And, and just because the country shut down, right? And uh, uh, mm-hmm. lockdown in the part of India, the, the whole Jakarta area. And, uh, and then we relaunched a program in, in the months. So we're pretty flexible and the team has to be flexible. And uh, most of the team we uh, partner with, they, they are like us. They have the local expertise, they have the technology background. And uh, so, just like we spend a lot of time uh, there. We, I used to travel there like four times a year, every quarter, and, uh, and, and made a team conduct due diligence. So we actually manage the, the process. It's just not, not like um, traditional fund manager, you give the money, then you just uh, wait or hope that you can get the money back. We constantly manage the, the, you know, the exposure. 
Right. Right. So, the, so these lenders that you're working with, I mean, it sounds like if they're, they're building APIs or you've got APIs connected to your, to your systems, I mean, these are all tech-enabled lenders, it sounds like. Is that true? Exactly. So uh, many of them work in the traditional sectors, and, uh, but they're all technology-enabled. For example, the commerce we're working with is the e-commerce website and uh, e-commerce apps. And uh, for logistics, and uh, they all have their own system in, in place. You know, we know where the goods is, and uh, and we also have the you know the receipt, the receipt that we know is uh, on, on board of the boat and or ship, and uh, it's on the way uh, to Vietnam. So we, we have all the all the information. We ask them and uh, to provide it to us. It has to be managed by technology. And otherwise, we just can't keep track, you know, every single investment and, uh, and, and on a daily basis. Right. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. So then, I mean, you've you've talked of, you've talked about a few countries uh, already, but like, where do you think are the most promising opportunities you know, today uh, globally? Where where are you? What what countries are you really you think have the best potential? Like I mentioned, we like the large populations and the growth. And uh, right now we're pretty, you know, uh, optimistic about like India market, Indonesia, Mexico, and uh, we like India, um, just because they're coming. They're, those countries going to come out of pandemic and strong, and uh, and also uh, they, they're going to continue their um, their growth trajectory, even though you know uh, they've been down during the pandemic. They bounced back quickly, and uh, a couple tailwinds in summer, you know, the global trade. And, uh, and reshaping of the global supply chain. And a lot of business is going to ship from China to India, to Indonesia, to Vietnam. And, and uh, also, you know, there's uh, frictions and, uh, between countries, but uh, mostly uh, globalization is back on track. You know, China and signed um, the RCEP agreement with the ASEAN countries. And, uh, and also, I, I think uh, U.S. is going to back on track with the, the TPP agreements. And so, uh, we're betting on uh, globalization, uh, backing on the trade, and betting on the you know financial technology, the, how the mobile payment, how, how the uh, you know the uh, global uh, payment movement is going to help. We we do the you know global trade. A lot of our uh, business are uh, cross border, so right. um, those technology trends and uh, and demographic trends going to help us a lot. Right, right. Okay. That, that makes sense. So then what do you think, I mean, you've got a very curious, uh, very interesting thesis. And uh, do you think is, is the technology the thing that differentiates you from other investors getting on the ground? I mean, who, like, what, what do you think differentiates your company from others trying to do a similar thing? I guess we are, you know, emerging market oriented, even we're a US firm, we're headquarters in New York. But we have always been Asia, and uh, we are just getting to know Africa and Latin better. And uh, so this is in our blood, right? We focus on emerging market. And also my background, you know, I started the uh, first job as a software engineer. So uh, I have, you know, genes and those engineer and software engineering uh, genes. And uh, also because, you know, I work for endowments and uh, uh, before I started Hydro Global, it's more the institution mindset, you know, um, is just not like a fintech entrepreneur. You start an app and you start working peer-to-peer lending. And uh, eventually, it's going to come back to me, you know, and my engineering background and then my institutional investing background. So 
that's why we, we shaped um, the financial, uh, you know, the Hydro Global platform, serving both individuals and, and, uh, and institution investors and through technology, through, you know, emerging market uh, investment opportunities. And uh, I mean, a lot of institution investors, they want to get into the market, but they don't know how, right? So um, we provide the data, we provide the, the technology platform, and then we also, just like everyone else, we travel there, you know, and uh, we have to go on the ground and, uh, and just get to know the market, get to know the people uh, better over time. And uh, it, it takes time. So we spend the, the past six and a half years building the, the platforms and uh, setting up the infrastructure. And now is the time to capitalize it. Right. So I imagine, though, I mean, this you talk about you, you travel, you're on the ground in these markets, but this year, that'd be really difficult uh, since March, I imagine. So how have you adapted your company this year without being able to travel? Is, is just, are you doing exactly the same thing? You're just doing it on, on Zoom or what, what are you doing? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, I canceled all my trips and uh, my trip <laughs> to India, to Nigeria, to Mexico, it's everything. Uh, so I stayed in New York for, uh, for the whole year. I was in California early this year. Uh, that, that's about it. And so a couple of things. And um, one thing is that we have always been digital, you know, so we have the technology platform. We do the, the Zoom calls way before, you know, the pandemic hit us. And so we continue to do the, the video conferencing and talking to different uh, time zones, different continents. That's uh, just like, um, maybe more frequently as before, but that's always been that case. And other than that, we are working with markets and teams we have always been working with. You know, we don't get into, jump into something suddenly, you know, not that during this, uh, uh, this time of the year. And for example, uh, we're tapping uh, Mexican markets, working with the US team and uh, the former Capital One team out of DC. We know the team for three years, so we've been working with them in, in other markets. Now we're working together, go to Mexico, and then we're working with the local team we haven't known for five years. So either we're working with the same team going to a different market or, or you know, go to the same market with a different team. It always has been something we've been cooking for a long time, and we, we are, you know, fairly familiar with. It's now we're jumping at new things and at, uh, at, uh, right now. Uh, it's just a natural uh, branching out and uh, based on our past experience or based on our network or uh, based on just like accumulation of knowledge and uh, of right. the, the resources. So you, so you haven't made any new investors with people this year that you haven't met face-to-face? Are you, are you or have you? We have. Uh, we made one investment in Nigeria working with the team work with local carriers and we never met the team but we know the team very well it comes through our network and uh, uh, the back office is in Shenzhen uh, the front office is in Nigeria we know the team uh, um, or the the environment really well so I was there last year uh, October I know the carrier I know the cell phone uh, manufacturer uh, we similar uh, cell phone installment loans so that's how we can you know conduct the business and it's a trial uh, we start right. small and uh, get to, you know, uh, there's frictions in the, at the beginning, how it's most out. I mean, and our Beijing team uh, uh, flew to uh, Shenzhen to visit the team. I haven't seen them. We talk on the Zoom uh, from right. New York. Right. But, uh, you know, it's like I said, we have always been working uh, this way. And uh, I can't, you know, 
spend half my year in, in, in Africa. So, but uh, we, we do uh, go there, you know, at least once a year, twice a year uh, in normal times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so, so with Mexico, have you, I mean, have you made a first investment in Mexico yet or are you still looking at um, that? Uh, it's not launched. So we, uh, we work this uh, DC team and uh, they are back office in Chengdu, China. So, you know, that they have the engineer and the reasonable cost. And so we actually committed three months ago and uh, we've uh, we done all the market research. They're developing the product and uh, we set up a registered company. It just registered like last week. So okay. um, I think we're committed, but uh, we haven't launched the business yet. Right, right. There's three so, partners, local US and, and the China partners. And that is the joint venture. Right, right. I got it. So do most of your investments have some kind of Chinese connection or does it not, is that not necessary? It's not necessary, but uh, we try to add the, uh, the Chinese components and uh, that's our value add. For example, we uh, invest in a clean tech company is here uh, in, in the U.S. in, in Texas. Uh, they do uh, dual fuel. It's kind of like natural gas engine. Uh, we try to bring them to China markets and uh, we offer them uh, a leasing program. And so some of their, you know, truckers, they try to buy the equipment and uh, we just provide the, the lease on the, about like $15,000 equipment. So there's always been financial technology components in it. And uh, we help them to expand into other emerging markets, not just China. We help them to get into Philippines and, uh, and uh, it's, you know, it's, that's a new initiative, right? So, protect the environment, the, the ESG stuff, that's yep. on our agenda. And, uh, you know, we want to make money and also doing something good. Right, 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 for sure. And so, and so then your investors, who are your investors, uh, Chinese individuals? I mean, who, who are the LPs for, for your company? So uh, like I mentioned, when we started, it's more like a cross-border lending club. Those are many uh, smaller investors. And uh, uh, over time, we are consolidating. So most of our uh, investors right now are, are like family offices and uh, high-networked individuals. We are trying to, you know, uh, tap into the institutional world uh, systematically, like just beginning of this, uh, this year. And because uh, uh, we set up the credit fund last year, so it's only 14 months track record. That's yep. been good, but it's short. And uh, before that, we offer, you know, platform nodes and the real estate project. Those are, uh, you know, tailored for the, the middle class and the uh, investors. But uh, we're kind of like gradually evolved into more uh, institutionalized, you know, uh, investment platform. Part of because of my background, part because this is uh, a trend, right? For example, Lending Club, they're mostly uh, ABS or, you know, institutional funding other than individuals. And uh, I think they're going to completely shut it down the individual investor yep. uh, platform. It's the same trend. Uh, this is more efficient. This is, you know, how I, how I work, used to work. Right, right. So are you, do you plan all, all of the, the credit, uh, you know, um, that you're providing to these platforms? Are you, do you hold the loans all the way through? I guess these are short-term loans, aren't they? So you're, you hold them through to maturity, yes. right? Yes. So we, uh, you know, we source the loans, we structure loans, and uh, we invest in loans to hold them and to maturity. And then we recycle, you know, we uh, rotate and, uh, and re- you know, reinvest in those same loans. Typically, so the longest platform we've been working with for like four and a half years now, and unless, you know, some shift in, in the markets or on the platform, otherwise we're committed for the long term. Even though the, the loans are short, 
but our investment horizon is long. Right, right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. So I'm curious, you know, to get your perspective on the on the trends in this, in sort of the, the fintech-enabled lending space specifically, I mean, you've got a very interesting viewpoint, uh, you know, doing it, you know, you obviously know the US market, but you've got a, you've got a, you've got a viewpoint onto the emerging markets. What are the, what are the trends you're seeing there? Are we seeing, is there a similar kind of, um, you know, things are going, I mean, obviously we know about, you've talked about cell phones and mobile, but maybe uh-huh. just talk about, uh, talk about some of the trends you're seeing in these emerging markets. Well, I, I think um, the biggest tailwind is like the, the 5G, the, you know, smartphone penetration and uh, the mobile payment. And surprisingly, some of the emerging market, actually the penetration rate is higher than the U.S. Right. And uh, so it's easier adoption for them, you know, get into the online lending or, uh, you know, installment loans. So um, that's why we, we like those emerging markets. So they have the infrastructure ready. And uh, they have uh, the growth trajectory. So people are, you know, they're making $2,000 a year now and, uh, you know, versus a couple of years ago, $500. They have the money to spend. They want to borrow uh, and uh, against their earning power. So those are trends that we're, we're seeing. And also many of the platforms we've been working with, uh, like you mentioned, with the Chinese components, some, some, some platforms they sell, you know, Oppo, Vivo phones, Huawei, Xiaomi phones. Uh, some are, uh, you know, Buying from African, for example, one producer, they sell cashews to a Chinese market. We're providing supply chain financing with them. In the mm-hmm. China market, is incrementally becoming a cons- consumption market, right? So they're upgrading uh, what they're buying uh, globally, it's not just like exporter anymore. It, it's, it's a big importer. And so those are trends we're seeing. And uh, there are a couple kind of like, different U.S. models are applying in emerging markets too. For example, the, the firm model, buy now, pay later, and it's right. getting popular in the U.S., in Australia, but it's also popular in China and in India. And uh, consumers, they want to buy, but they want a fair treatment. They don't want to pay for you know, the high interest rate and the, not like a virtual credit card anymore. So different model applying in, uh, in emerging market quickly. So I see the adoption rate is, is like really high. It's really fast. And, uh, and those market has the scale. And uh, also the FinTech model, winner takes all, right? So uh, once you dominate the market, then you can just start making money. And uh, the investment period is short and it's fast. And uh, right. so you can, one business model, you can maybe take you 10 years and, uh, to get 100 million users here in the US, but maybe take you just like two, three years in, in, in China or India. Right, and, uh, right. Those younger generation are very, very, you know, um, interested in financial technology. They feel it helps them, you know, um, right. they're tax savvy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, given that um, you know, we're recording this on December 16th, but this is going to be published on the 31st of December, the last day of the year. Um, so I'd love to kind of get your perspective on, on 2021 as we turn the corner on 2020. What, mm-hmm. what are your plans for the year? And maybe what, uh, what, what do you think are some of the things that you're looking for out of 2021? Uh, first of all, I, I want to go back to the emerging market, right? I want to be able to travel again, you know, back, right. go back and uh, see our partners, see how they're doing, and, uh, and also continue to expand. You know, we have built the infrastructure to invest globally, and uh, we can uh, tag, you know, um, on those resources again. 
I guess we haven't changed the thing in terms of investment thesis or, or, or investment structure because our model is tested uh, during pandemic. And uh, also, uh, I feel uh, emerging market going to come back strong. And, and a couple of countries, like for example, China is going to have like positive GDP this year. Vietnam is going to be positive. India, Indonesia is going to bounce back next year. It's going to be faster than you know, the OECD countries. Uh, so we, we see those are continue to be like strong, promising markets. We just want to go back there, do what we has been doing in the past years. Right, right. Okay. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Jerry. That was, it's been fascinating talking with you. I uh, wish you all the best for the new year. Happy holidays and yeah, have a, have a great 2021. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Let's uh, catch up uh, again next year. Sounds good. Okay. See ya. Okay. Bye. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to get Jerry on that was that emerging markets really have, that's where some of the outsized opportunities are going to be over the next few years. And Hai2 Global has really got a unique perspective and a unique, uh, unique approach to those markets. And we saw this in our Latin American event that we held earlier this month. And that is, there is huge opportunities. And part of the reason for that is it's a pretty tech savvy population. A lot of the, particularly they, they skew younger, smartphone penetration is increasing and uh, they, don't, they don't have traditional financial services in, in, in a lot of these economies, but they have demand for financing. And, uh, and that's what, you know, what, what obviously High2 Global is taking advantage of is providing the funding for a lot of this demand. And uh, I, I think it's really going to be, it's going to be a big opportunity that uh, more and more companies should be paying attention to, I think. Anyway, before I sign off, uh, this is our last episode of 2020. I'm very happy to be turning the page on this year. Looking forward to 2021. We've got lots of great guests lined up. And I want to thank everybody who has listened to the show this year. Really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to an exciting 2021. So on that note, I will sign off. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll catch you next year. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lended Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. Lended's flagship event is happening online this year on April 27 to 29, with the possibility of an exclusive VIP in-person component. The verdict is in on Lender's 2020 event that was held online, with many people saying it was the best virtual event they had ever attended. Lended is setting the bar even higher in 2021. So join the fintech community at Lended Fintech USA, where you will meet the people who matter, learn from the experts, and get business done. Sign up today at lended.com slash USA.